Where banks were preparing for massive losses, what actually happened was there was a massive cash inflow to banks. The amount of cash sitting on a bank balance sheet went up tenfold overnight, it felt like. And so a bank that had $100 million all of a sudden had $120 or $130 million. That sounds like a good problem to have, but they have to do something with that money. They can't let it just sit there. They have, they have to earn interest on it. Otherwise, they're going to be losing money. You have to weigh everything together. But overall, it's kind of it was kind of a good wake-up call for people to, to get back to fundamentals. And I feel like actually a lot of 2022 and even in 2023, it's been that that wake-up call out of the dream state that was the last 15 years. It's been a bumpy ride for banks lately, but context is everything. That's why Josh, our fearless host, is here to decode the collapse in recent weeks of Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, and First Republic. When we talk about these bank failures and the role the FDIC had in bailing them out, it's really important to understand the customer base of these institutions. Interest rates at an all-time low, combined with pandemic stimulus checks, produced a massive influx of deposits. What happened next had everything to do with how those deposits and other cash holdings were invested, and what occurred when interest rates started to rise. Risk mitigation is critical for these situations, but rest assured that the banking system overall is fundamentally sound. It sure has been a wake-up call for many of us who have been in an economic dream state the last 15 years. But fortunately, there are many great financial planning strategies that can help you navigate our new economic realities. And hey, Josh and I leave you with some sound advice on how to deal with all this stress. Be kind. Go out there and live your life, man. Because hey, we can make the world a better place. You're listening to the Retirement Equals Freedom Podcast. Your host, Josh Brettel is the owner of FSR Wealth Strategies. And for the last 20 plus years, Josh has been helping fine folks like you gain the confidence to make retirement the best part of your life. And me, who the heck am I? Oh, hey, I'm Dave, Josh's longtime friend, co-host of the podcast, and big fan of dried mangoes from Costco and Sam's Club. You gotta try them. All right, all right, all right. Enough of my voice. Let me, let you, let me end this introduction so we can get on with the show. FSR Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor located in Elmhurst, Illinois. Information and opinions contained in this audio have been arrived at by FSR Wealth Advisors. All information herein is for informational purposes and should not be construed as investment advice. It does not constitute an offer, solicitation, or recommendation to purchase any security. FSR is not providing legal, tax, accounting, or financial planning advice in this audio. These views are as of the date of its publication and are subject to change. Maggie's in first grade. Maggie loves to read, but she's in first grade. She doesn't have that same level of experience. Naturally. So Harry Potter, there's certain words, plus it's a British author. There's just certain words that she can't let go without asking, what's that mean? What's that mean? So it's like every page is like 20 questions. What's that mean? What's that mean? We try to teach her context and just listen. And I've now gotten to the fact that I'm not going to answer you until the page is over. And then we can go back. If there's anything you didn't understand, we'll talk about it. Well, there was a there was a, a thing in the in the book yesterday where they're talking about it. they heard somebody whooping <laughs> in, in celebration, 
And yeah. I wouldn't go back and answer that to her because I was like, she understands what whooping is. I mean, the girl whoops her whole life. <laughs> and so we're sitting at breakfast this morning and we're talking about Harry Potter because Missy, I read the books and Missy didn't last night. So she was asking, you know, what'd you learn in Harry Potter? And Maggie goes, dad wouldn't tell me what whooping means. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all four of us are going, whoop, whoop. Oh, no. <laughs> so like, it was kind of like we're, was, she goes, oh, okay. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's funny. Landon sees the commercials for Harry Potter. He sees like pictures of the amusement park. Yeah. And he's intrigued. I'm slightly concerned he wouldn't enjoy it. And I have, I, I don't read books. I'm like Jason Bateman. Books are just like a foreign yeah. language to me. Without a doubt. I don't know. How do I introduce him to it? I actually think Harry Potter is right up your alley. The two of you could read books. Just start with book one. Book okay. one is the easiest. It's the, it's Missy's favorite. Okay. As she says, all the later books, get they have like dark symbolism and all sorts of... Now, I don't understand sure. symbolism. I mean, I barely understand what a metaphor is. Sure. But Missy is very good at English. I'm not. <laughs> but she says book one's phenomenal. Okay. It's a great... Between the fantasy and the, the descriptive characters and just the thought process, both you and Landon will love it. Okay. Uh, it's an easy read. You can do it in a heartbeat. And if you don't like to read... The audiobook is one of the best audiobooks I've ever heard in my entire life. Really? The the narrator is great. So let me... Uh, Are you looking at that name now? Yeah, I kind of want to play it here. I kind of want to put a, a clip of it in there for you. All right. This is the audiobook here real quick. Okay, yeah, sure. Thank you to get out of the way, Potter. Harry made up his mind in a split second. Before Snape could take even one step toward him, he had raised his wand. Expelliarmus. So, Ooh. I mean, the narrator, the, the whoever the actor is reading this, I think it's Jim Dale or something. He's phenomenal. It is, it's Jim Dale. I'm looking at my screen here. But do it that way. Listen to it okay. on just you know, buy the audiobook. It's It's worth it. It's okay. really cool. In fact, try your local library and see if you can download it. Oh, we're doing an event at the Glen Allen Library. Maybe I could just get Ooh, it there. Ask that. Oh, good call. Oh. Uh, okay. it, it's worth it. You, you Both you and Landon will thoroughly enjoy it. Okay. I'm assuming Carla's read it. No. She, no. She stays away from anything fantasy and supernatural. Really? Even as a teacher? I would figure like you'd have to know all that stuff. No. She She is so boring. Oh, I agree. Carla. She's like, if they make books about the real housewives, maybe I'll read them. But not... Not to good stuff like Harry Potter and stuff. Yeah. I'm going to get my butt kicked for imitating her. I'm worried about you leaving that in, but we know she doesn't listen to the it's, podcast, that's so true. it doesn't matter. That's true. So if anyone, um, Annette, if you're listening to this, please don't <laughs> tell Carla. <laughs> yeah, and guess what? Josh and I are going to have a really good lunch, but you'll never know because you don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's not tempt him. Oh, let's okay. Not, not, tempt, like, not tempt fate. No. Uh, it's true. Leslie may actually be talking to our wives behind her back and telling telling them everything that we say. Yeah. So Leslie, we've talked about Leslie before, our show notes writer. We're going on vacation to San Francisco after school's out. We want to take the kids somewhere different and we're going to stay up in Muir Woods and it's going to be cool. Everywhere you look, everywhere. Well, our kids don't care about that. Right. But I don't know. I mean, I've been to San Francisco a bunch of times. It's been probably 10 years since I've been there. But Leslie lives out there, and I asked her if she had any recommendations. And it's in her own words, snowballed me. <laughs> and it was the it was most helpful. And Missy and I have checked out books from the library. We've read all these websites. But Leslie's 30-page email, this is what it felt like, was the most helpful thing we've ever read to it. So if anyone's going to San Francisco, let me know. I will forward you 
Leslie's email. It was great. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, Leslie is just awesome. Mm-hmm. Hidden gem. I don't actually don't want other podcasters and marketing people find out about her because I want to hog her all to ourselves. Well, either we need to give her more work. Let's just triple our podcast output then. We're going to triple it? It's triple it. I like it. Yeah. Um, tripling our podcast outputs a lot like these recent bank failures, I think. <laughs> wait, wait, no. <laughs> That's implying that we'd, we'd fail on our uh, adventures here. So, um I actually wanted wanted to talk about this, and it, this came in a headline in the news recently. Well, what is today's date? Because we're recording this. We're recording this on May 2nd, mm-hmm. uh, and recently there was another bank failure. Over the weekend, First Republic Bank, which is a fairly large bank, was taken over by the FDIC and sold overnight to J.P. Morgan Chase. Mm-hmm. This is the third bank failure of the year, third big bank failure of the year. Earlier in March... Uh, we had Silicon Valley Bank out uh, not too far from Leslie in Silicon Valley. Um, we had Signature Bank, a New York bank, and then we had recently First Republic. They happened a little bit differently, but they seemed to come on quick. They were kind of all of a sudden out of the blue. And I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about why this is occurring and why we're seeing this now. Because we haven't talked about this for a long time. It's been 08, 09, when, 07 a little bit when we started seeing some of these things. And it's a different scenario. It's a different ballpark. So I wanted to kind of set the stage uh, of why why this is happening and what's going on and and where we think it's going in the future. So this is a timely podcast. The facts could change. And if you're listening to this three years from now, if this could be a whole different world. Mm-hmm. Can I say one quick thing? In 2005, when I first... 2005? Yeah. When I got my job at the bank... Everybody around me, including you, said, oh, good Lord, the chances of that bank failing are high. I would like to say, for the record, I I have not ever worked for any of those three banks that just closed. So I cannot be blamed for this one, Josh. Charter One, which is where you worked. Yes. Who Mm -hmm. who bought Charter One? Citizens Bank. And then Fifth Third or BMO bought Citizens. Yeah. And actually, Dave, it's a great way to put it. Even banks, as a general rule of thumb, are so strong that even you working there couldn't bring one down. I know it took uh, it took the likes of some really bad uh, decisions and some different things that went out there. So thank you very much for uh, getting it on the record. Yep. No. No. Banks are banks are very strong, but I do want to talk about what's going on here because these are unique. These are this is something that you know people didn't see didn't see coming here. So let me talk a little bit about how a bank works and how a bank makes money. So when you deposit money into a bank. They have to do something with that because they're going to pay you interest. Now, it may not be a lot of interest, but they're going to pay you interest. So let's say they're going to pay you 1%. All right. Well, they have to take that money and they've got to put it somewhere else so they can earn more than 1%. Because not only do they have to pay you 1%, but they've got to pay their employees. They've got to buy property. They've got those giant buildings they got to take care of. Mm. uh, And they have to make a profit. They may need to earn 2.5%. I'm making numbers up here, 3%, 4%, whatever that might be, so they can pay you one. Make sense so far? So far, so good, my man. Um, So what they do is they're going to make money in a couple different ways. One is they're going to charge fees. And fees come out of all sorts of different places, but that's not what I'm talking about today. They're going to earn interest. Mm -hmm. And they earn interest in one of two ways. One is they send loans out. They'll make a loan, so you'll deposit your money they'll turn around and loan it to somebody else for whatever their use. And loan rates might be 4 or 5%, whatever the, you know, whatever the bank charges, so they can turn around and pay you one. Mm-hmm. Okay, Now, they can't usually loan out all of their money. 
if a bank takes in, let's say, let's use a number here. Let's say a hundred million dollars. They may be able to only loan out 60 million. Well, they've got to do something else with that 40. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So what they do traditionally is they will use what they call tier one capital. Tier one capital is like risk-free capital. It's U.S. treasuries. Okay. And it's a very common thing. It's, it's really high-grade bonds and investments. Okay. Make sense so far? So, I mean, yeah, roger that. Roger that. This is riveting stuff. This is actually fascinating stuff, too, to me. Yeah, it would be <laughs> fascinating to you. <laughs> Hashtag tax nerd. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens, though, is during the pandemic, everybody thought that we were going to have a mass economic issue. Mm-hmm. Banks started preparing for losses like crazy. They were allocating cash to get ready for losses, but the government came in and said, whoa, we're going to stimulize this thing and we're going to give more stimulus than we've ever given in our entire life. Where banks were preparing for massive losses, what actually happened was there was a massive cash inflow to banks. Bank balance sheets, the amount of cash sitting on a bank balance sheet went up tenfold overnight, it felt like. And so a bank that had $100 million all of a sudden had $120 or $130 million dollars. That sounds like a good problem to have, but they have to do something with that money. And they can't let it just sit there. They have, they have to earn interest on it. Otherwise, they're going to be losing money. Follow me so far? I, yeah. There weren't loans. You can't all of a sudden come up with that amount of loans overnight. So they were putting it back into treasuries. Okay. okay. Treasury is a what now? Treasury is a, uh, a government bond, a government note. You're loaning money to the U.S. government. They're called U.S. treasuries. And they would pay you interest in return. Got it. Now, back then, the interest on those treasuries were really, really low. Back then, as in like 2020. 2020, okay. 20, you know, 2019, 2018, 2020. And treasuries, a five-year treasury was paying 1.5%. I mean, maybe two, nothing crazy. Now, fast forward to today, at the end of last year, the end of 2020, treasuries were paying 45 5%. But these banks were sitting on all of these old treasuries that were still paying them one and a half. Mm. Now, what happens, we've talked about this in our bond episode, if you remember that riveting episode. (laughs) Bonds work on an inverse relationship to interest rates. So as interest rates rise, the value of bonds has to fall. Has to. Has to. Mathematically. Mathematically. So these banks' balance sheets were showing a giant loss in their treasury portfolio. Okay. Now, as long as they held them, and you know, if it was a five-year treasury, as long as they held them for that five-year period, they'd get their money back. But they were showing this huge loss as it came into play. Now, the bank regulators, they don't look at that loss as far as tier one capital goes, and it's not really a big deal. But these banks are only earning 1.5%. Now, in the world of SVB Bank, is a great example here, SVB Bank had a lot of really, really high-end depositors. They worked spe- specifically with these Silicon Valley companies that would have. It's hard to say. It, it is, and it's even harder to say when you follow up with silicone. Specifically, silicone. Specifically, yeah. silicone. Yeah. So Silicon Valley Bank specialized in startups that had large cash balances. So yeah. these companies would have millions of dollars in their accounts, and the FDIC insurance was only two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. bucks. So what happened was the report came out that. SVB Bank was losing money because these treasuries were underwater. Well, all the depositors said, hey, I have 
$5 million of uninsured deposits. Oof. And so they said, hey, we're going to move this money. Yeah. And moving money in a bank nowadays is as simple as picking up your phone and, and, and transferring money. So money would leave overnight. And they can't really control that. They can't control it. It's, it's, the, it's the client's money. It's sure. the customer's money. Sure. But they, the customer, to the customer's viewpoint, they felt nervous. They felt, hey, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And we have these uninsured deposits, and we had to make sure that they were safe. Now, if you look at the safety of banks, all of a sudden it brought out the safety of banks that came out there. And the FDIC came in and they shut SVB and Signature Bank down kind of in the middle of the day. Yeah. And they said, hey, we're going to take, they, they created what's called a bridge bank and they did all these things. And eventually somebody else, another bank, bought them. But to save those deposits, the government had to come in and say, hey, there's no more uninsured deposits, SVB. If your money's at SVB, we, we will insure all of it. Okay. And what that did is that just kept everybody else who was still left to leave their money there. Sure. Otherwise, the whole thing would have collapsed Oof. and have been a massive calamity. Do you know percentage-wise of how much assets were taken out, like how much money was taken out? You know, I did read that. That number is public. It, it's, yeah. it was a pretty high number, and it was actually organized via social media. Okay. Oh, so like depositors at the bank kind of like went onto a Reddit and said, hey, we're, like, we're gonna, we need to pull money out. Did you guys see this? We're transferring ooh, money, boy. stuff like that. So, yeah. Which is all legal. It's all legitimate. Totally. And it's understandable. But the Federal Reserve has not done you know, in them any help because of the fact that they're the ones raising interest rates like crazy. They're the ones that th- these the treasuries are built off of and all these things are built off of when they have that giant loss in their portfolio, which isn't truly a loss because they have that money sitting there. It's become a giant problem as they've had to pull money out there. What we see here is we see kind of an interest rate issue. We see a timing issue. And we also see a poorly managed risk issue. I'm having trouble today. A poorly managed risk issue because they should have seen this interest rate risk. But it was a culmination of there's never been deposits coming into a bank this fast. From the stimulus, banks have never seen this level of cash input. Got it, got it, got it. At a time when interest rates were at record lows, they had to do something with the cash. So they invested that cash in low-rate U.S. Treasury bonds. Interest rates went up, mm-hmm. had to show a loss, and that triggered a fear as that came into play. Yeah. Now, the nice thing is all banks in the country are pretty much going through the exact same thing. But some of them have hedged their risk better, and they, you know, they don't have the same issues. Or they don't have nearly the level of uninsured deposits. The average depositor, if the average depositor only has 80000 as opposed to 800000 well, the average depositor is fully insured. It doesn't matter what happens. Sure. So that becomes really no big deal. Now, Signature and First Republic, they had similar things happen. They're a little bit different than SVB. First Republic, though, is kind of been on the radar. And what happened is the FDIC did not shut them down overnight. They did it over the weekend. Okay. And they arranged a deal. So the bank closed Friday. On Monday morning, they announced, hey, J.P. Morgan's taking it over. And over the weekend, they they negotiated that whole deal as it came in. So the, those First Republic depositors never really knew. They just said, hey, now you're part of Chase. Chase. Kind of, you know, similar to, you know, you did so good at Charter One. Yeah. All of a sudden, overnight, they became part of Citizens. Citizens. Bank. So yeah. Wait, wait, overnight, though, we all of a sudden had our name all over the, I think it's the Pittsburgh Pirates or or – Citizens Bank Field. Yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you guys had a feel. Yeah, we all of a sudden had a feel. And I'm like, see, I did that. Yeah, <laughs> might be the Phillies. I can't remember. Oh, boy. Uh, so do you know 
was Chase forced to take this on? Or well, they asked to? I don't know the specifics, but boy, I'm just saying some fun words today. Yeah. I don't know the specifics, but I was reading an article on FT Times, Financial Times, and there was a bidding war. And Chase put in some money, as did the FDIC. Chase put in the most or whoever, whatever yep. happened here. Yep. And this is something that you wouldn't see. You know, They don't really let Chase buy banks anymore. Chase is too big. But First Republic... They they waive that because they can come in and support. They have Emergency. the financial strength to do that. So uh, the government will be out some money on this. You know they will lose some money. The FDIC, but Chase is going to protect all the depositors as that comes in. So yeah, so bank failures they they're always out there, but this is kind of a unique one. Those inter- with the sudden influx of cash, the interest rate changes, the way you, know, you can communicate on social media, the way you can instantly transfer money nowadays. Yeah, this is something that I don't think we're done seeing the end of this. But I think, for the most part, our financial institution, the bankings, the banks in general, are extremely well capitalized. I think what adds a level of fear is just how much uncertainty and volatility there is in general mm-hmm. with with our financial institutions. I'm not going to pretend like I know the fancy words for it. Uh, but what I am more concerned with is how does this affect everybody, like the normal people, like your clients and does this affect people that don't even have money with those banks? Talk to me, Goose. That's a great question. I mean, this is part of risk management. This is part of... I know it's a great question, Josh. You don't have to... Don't patronize me. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me, Goose. I like that line. <laughs> Good you. job. This is something as owning your retirement when you have to decide where you're going to have money sit. This is part of that safety thought. As you're looking at where you're going to stick your money, looking at the strength of banks is something we, we always want to take into consideration. Now... I got more calls about FDIC limits the weeks after SVB Bank than I probably did all of the last 10 years combined. Banks are still strong. Things are still in good good stead out there, but you still want to, to monitor that because this could happen to a retiree. And now what does that mean? For the most people, it does not mean you're going to lose money. People who are losing money are the giant corporations. They're the, they're the giant investors, the hedge funds, things along those lines. For the average Joe the average client that we're working with, what it could mean is a giant headache if you're not planned for it. Because just because the FDIC FDIC comes in and insures you doesn't mean your money is back in your account overnight. It might take a few weeks. It might take some. So that's one of those, having those emergency funds, having those things out there becomes really important. Uh, And it's also spreading spreading out your wealth. It's spreading out the thought that there are certain institutions that aren't impacted by the volatility of interest rates, the way banking institutions are, but banking institutions also provide something they're not—they're not subject to the fluctuations of the market. So you have to weigh everything together. But yeah. overall, it's kind of—it was kind of a good wake-up call for people to, to get back to fundamentals. And I feel like actually a lot of 2022 and even in 2023, it's been that—that that wake-up call out of the dream state that was the last 15 years. Yeah, bank failures. Bank failures, man. Who would have thought it'd be such a riveting podcast topic? It, it's, uh, I hopefully you understood it. And I figure if you understand it, the much more intelligent listeners we have will definitely understand it. I should be offended, but uh, hashtag truth. Um, <laughs> so what I was thinking was, yeah, what, what? Okay. Get your bird ready. Hey, hey Mr. Josh, let's, let's take, take a break. break. You've been talking for so long and my ears are sore. Ouch. Let's not make them snore. Listening shouldn't be a chart. Nope. So let's get to know Josh and okay. Dave and watch okay. a rating soar. Chickadee! Oh, yeah. 
I have a hard enough time yeah. coming up with actual topics to talk about on the sure, podcast. Sure. If you make me start researching <laughs> bird sounds, I'm really going to have an issue. I try not to LOL into my own music there because that chickadee got me laughing, man. That was good. That was really good. So I went back to the pod deck here. Yeah, sure. And um, I'm going to get serious on this one. Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look on your face. I, I don't do good serious. I don't do serious well. What do you feel people complain too much about these days? Ooh, something that really grinds my gears. Yeah, maybe what grinds your gears. Okay, I'll tell you what grinds my gears, and I know you see it a lot. I see it a lot too. I, I have always had a deep appreciation for those that work in the service industry because mm-hmm. I did myself, and you did to some extent. I cannot tolerate when people are impatient with people in the service industries. Oh, yeah. Restaurants, specifically, it drives me bonkers, and I just want to go say, hey, man, how about you put yourself into their shoes for a second? You have no idea what they're going through. I have always gone out of my way to like be super friendly to these people and never you know, blame them for what's happening. So that, Josh... That is my complaint. Yours? I do find it funny, and I, I realize this, that we're complaining about complaints. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so meta. Yeah. What, what people complain about too much to me is other people. Oh, I like I, that. I'm not – I feel like we've become a us versus them society. It's always, well, they said that, and they believe this. and It's you know, gross. It uh, is. Yeah. It drives, we agree on 98% of things as a country. If, if we could solve – few things working together and just stop complaining and enjoy and live your life and be kind and go out there. I think we, we could make the world a better place. I feel a little John Lennon yeah. on this one. Or Michael Jackson. Make the world a better place. I don't know if it's Michael Jackson. Uh, but you know, to that point, I heard this. I don't know who said it. It was probably on Smartless. Somebody really smarter than I said this, but people are so much nicer than we think they are. Yes. They're all going through the same stuff. Yeah. And if you would just not complain or judge or do something or sit and listen to him i think we'd have a whole new world out there <laughs> a whole new world i mean this is aladdin oh, yeah. song. i mean like come on let's now. just let it go you got me <laughs> <laughs> okay let it go let okay so now we're singing okay so many disney songs are just so relevant to life right? oh god oh. disney doesn't complain no but speaking of disney dave relates to retirees yeah yeah no I was talking about bank failures and really wondering how sure. the heck you were relate this to retirees. Sure. Now, first of all, you do know that my sister Julie and I can sing any number of Disney theme songs at the snap of a finger. Little Mermaid will do it. You you want me to do I a duet? I challenge the two of you. Jules? Yeah? If I can get you and Dave on this podcast, oh, man. Man. Well, with the new Little Mermaid coming out, I'm curious to see how they kind of redo those songs because we knew that one top to bottom. Like, it was crazy. So retirees, soon to be retirees, and just everybody else out there who likes money, I can relate to you with these bank closings. In fact, that's why I just choose not to have money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Instead, I've chosen to live a life of bartering. Did you know that? I barter everything. Sleepy Hollow Dolls? Well, I mean, that could be one of them, but I've never made a mortgage payment in my life. Did you know that? <laughs> is that really? Yeah, is I just that... go out and I play harmonica for local charities, and then they they pay for my mortgage. Did you know that? Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Um, 
do you pay for your own food? I, I do, and yours. Yeah, yeah, you do. But see, I don't. And, and I, when this podcast is done, I think I'm buying your I lunch again. So, <laughs> well, when you're not around, I don't pay for food either. Instead, I go out in the street and let people stare at my big legs, and in exchange, they give me food. Did you know that? I barter for food. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, this one is this one's this one's pretty private. I haven't really shared it with anybody, but the clothes I'm wearing, I don't buy them. No, I go arm wrestle monks in Juliet, and they buy me these. <laughs> they buy me these clothes. So I. I, dear friends, have never trusted cash. Instead, I live a life of barter. Am I totally setting you up for the best full house moment ever? I'm going to really try. (laughs) I'm I'm, going to try and distract from what you just said. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. People, once you get to know Dave, Mm. you wouldn't complain about him. You would think he's a lovely human being. There's really nothing. Well, Carla would argue that. Other than Carla, no one has any beef with me, I don't think. No, I doubt it. But... You can keep cash at banks. Mm. Um, They are safe. They will take care of you. But I think it's good that you have another way you're planning for your future Mm -hmm. by also having a system of bartering in place. Does this mean I don't have to pay you anymore? (laughs) No, that's that's another part of my barter is I'm your friend and in exchange you buy me food. I'm worried that uh, you're viewing banks differently than a lot of the retirees and soon-to-be retirees are. But if if they're so concerned about the safety of banks that they think they have to um, to work with, where did you get your clothes from, monks in Aurora? Uh, I had to arm wrestle monks in Joliet. Joliet. Yeah, there's a Th- whole are, clan of them out there. They're not as strong as the Aurora monks. No, true, right. <laughs> but you... You should worry about diversifying and making sure that you have other systems because one day, what if your legs don't look as good as they do now? And uh, you actually, I feel like this is demeaning to other people with large, hairy legs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can feel safe in banks now. Okay. I'm not worried about your money because uh, you're insured. We are insured. I think if anybody does have any fear about these bank closings, jump on our fsrwealth.com slash podcast book a complimentary 15-minute call with Josh. Uh, actually, having too much cash is not just a, a, a risk of inside the banks. It's also a risk of interest rate risk internally for yourself, uh, inflation risk, things like that can hurt. So mm. it's always good to have more money than less, but having too much cash can hurt. Uh, and not because of bank failures, but just because it doesn't fit well into owning your own retirement. So Dave, yeah. well, I think you're... DR2R mm-hmm. is a little bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm. The way you tied that last part together there, brilliant. I know. Really, what would this podcast be without me? Let's be honest here. Non-existent. Non-existent. No. Josh, you know how we usually kind of end this on a witty note here? Um, I am about to pee my pants. And as you know, I don't buy clothes. I barter for them. So I'm going to have to cut this podcast short. I need to run and pee. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, pee my pants is cool. <laughs> uh. Hashtag tax nerd.